Okay, campers, rise and shine, and don't forget your booties, because it's cold out there. It's cold out there every day. What is this, Miami Beach? Hardly. How's it going, boys? We're playing yesterday's tape. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the movie calendar. My name is Lee. And I'm Terrence. And this week, we are going to be talking about Groundhog Day. Uh, if it's your first time joining us, uh, welcome. It's so good to have you here. Uh, essentially, what we're going to do is we're just going to break down the film to in our favorite moments and uh, uh, and just, yeah, just kind of have a, a good old chat about it. And then at the end, we're going to place the film onto our movie calendar. Uh, where the goal is to fill up all 365 days with amazing pieces of cinema. Yes, yes. All right. Well, Groundhog Day. Uh, I was I was pretty excited to uh, to talk about this film, Lee. I've been watching this for years. Every few, every couple of years, pretty much, I just chuck it on. I've I've I realized I owned the DVD since about 2003. It has had a lot of play. And um, it was great to get it back out. I sat and watched it with my wife. My daughter watched it with me. Uh, my sister-in-law watched it. It was great. It was a big family kind of uh, moment. It was really nice to watch it uh, with everyone. And I picked up a few things along the way as well. It's very cool. Uh, very heavy film when you think about it a lot. Yeah. So, it's truly a, like a timeless classic. Like you can literally watch it at, oh, yeah. at any time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah if uh, if you like, uh, if you're listening to this on uh, audio version through a podcast app, we have a video version, which is uh, the proper way that we feel that you should uh, be watching this one, and that is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, if you're here on YouTube, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, there is an audio version as well found on uh, pretty much every podcasting app that's uh, that's out there. I'm just doing something for the people that are watching the video version. People that are <laughs> yeah, only on the podcast version, you're missing out. Then. Jump on YouTube. And then you'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's not not to be missed. That one it was it was wonderful. Oh, it was incredible. <laughs> uh, there's going to be time codes in the in the description as well. If you feel like jumping around to your favourite moments, uh, we got some really good feedback about the last couple of episodes. Mm. Um, and uh, so what we've done is uh, taken some of that feedback on board. And so for just the discussion of the film, we've broken it down into a few sections. So they are going to be world building, themes, characters and humor for this film. So if any of those pique your interest, uh, jump to the time codes in the description and you can listen to us talk about those. So we're going to start with world building. Cool. World building. Oh, thank you, by the way, for everyone who has been giving us feedback. It's really nice to know that there are people out there. Um, and uh, yeah. Anyway, I just want to say that. Thank you. All right. World building. Yes. Back to you, Lee. Yeah. People like actually watch and listen to this. It's not just us sort of talking in, in rooms by ourselves and putting it together. It's, it's cool to know. Yeah, we, we received a really cool letter this week um, via email, which I can't, get, I can't wait to get to uh, towards yeah. the end. All right. World building. Tell us, what do you, what do you mean about world building? You told me this, uh, this idea of how we'd speak about this. Uh, how's this going to work? Yeah, so the reason why I wanted to talk about world building uh, in this section was because it's just done so well because it's it's just set in a, in an everyday small town in you know somewhere in in America and uh they just they create this this world in such a brilliant way it just it feels so real and uh what i mean by that is it's um like it's such a fantastical concept of this entire movie right a man that is stuck in one place to repeat the same day over and over and over again for an undetermined amount of time. Uh, and it's just done in a way that it 
it doesn't feel like it's it's fake like it feels real and uh and yeah a testament to the writing and sort of the production design and everything that went behind it the performances uh to make it feel that real so that's kind of what i mean by world building Mm. okay all right cool um well tell me your thoughts on it the you know well well actually before you do i'm sure this hasn't this isn't the first time that this concept has ever been uh created in film i mean i'm i i can't put a a name to anything that has but i'm sure this has been done before i don't know it's pretty it's a pretty wild but huge and and relevant concept um do you know of any other situation where this has been used I do. I do. I know a few. Uh, before this film, I'm mm. not too sure, but definitely after it, there have been some some successes to it, especially in television. A lot of television episodes of, of certain shows have done episodes based around Groundhog Day. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of uh, horror films as well, I think, that you can find on, oh, yes. uh, on Netflix. I think Happy Death Day and Birth Happy Death, Death Day to Death. You, I think, run on a similar concept. Yes, yes. Yeah, I was thinking both. But no, yes, yeah, as far that. as pre this film, which it came out in 1993, I have I have no idea as to what came before. No. I know it it probably takes a lot of inspiration from uh, sort of Greek mythology and uh, and, a, and a few different kinds of religions. Uh, but you'd have to ask uh, the writers about that one to to really get uh, really get into it. Which I'm sure there are answers about that. Yeah, they I know they adapted the screenplay a lot. The writer had a big idea of it being. You know, thousands of years of time had passed, or or at least that that was the potential for it. Um, yeah. And you know, a really a really nice thing about this is that it it nearly doesn't matter how long has passed. No, it's not addressed. Not at all. Um, you just got to try and if you want to work it out, well, you can try and work it out. And you know, we only see a handful of days that actually play out, and then snippets of days. But when you realize that first one where there's this massive time jump where Phil steals all the all the cash from the from the armored vehicle, that was the first time where I realized, oh, we are we have jumped. We have done a massive jump. And every one of those little moments that he speaks out aloud and calculates, you realize that would have taken maybe more than a day to work that one out. You know, it's just. That was where my mind started to have little explosions inside explosions inside of my head. I was thinking, oh no, this is this is amazing. This is really really cool. Um, but yeah, I think that was a it was a conscious decision from um, um, oh why did I have to Harold Ramis yeah to to kind of to bring it back a little bit and realize that we don't have to tell everyone what what's going on. This world doesn't need borders. We don't need to explain it. <laughs> that was that was a nice thing about it. I think they left a lot up to us to be able to work out ourselves. Yeah, and 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 to themselves as well. Like you, you mentioned the the writer there. Uh, I saw an interview with I think it's um, I've got his name written down here. Danny Rubin uh, created the original concept for it, and uh, in this interview, he said that not even he knows how long uh, the character was trapped inside this one day over and over again. It was mm. it was. They sort of toyed with the idea of it being thousands of years, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I really love the fact that we just don't know because it doesn't matter. It's it's it was however long it took for him to to sort of get to that self actualization uh, realization that uh, he needs to be completely selfless. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and another cool thing about it is it's never explained as to why it's happening. Like it just 
we just go along with it because it's just built so well. It doesn't need or require an explanation. In fact, having one would probably diminish the film. Actually, it would absolutely would diminish the film if we figured out that that it was happening for a certain reason, whether it be you know mythological or scientific. It would just yeah, it would diminish that uh, that entire story. Well, that's the beauty of it, right? That's where it goes from from being mythic mythological or scientific to being psychological or um you know extremely searching within your soul you know is it is it metaphorical is it is it actually happening this went through my mind i was starting to struggle with my own reality thinking what how many times have i sat in this chair did i sit right this time if i sat right i'll wake up tomorrow uh you know i think it really lets us realize our own morality and you know if we look at the main character if we look at phil this is built around him this world is his world or at least it's the world that he has manifested um in some way or another and it's a you know it's about him overcoming his narcissism and living a life of service and and realizing it's not about him and that lesson was learned if that's what the point of this is if you learn your lesson and then you move on well then yeah then you get to continue your life. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I see. I more saw it as like it's it's nowhere near his world. I think it's he's being trapped, trapped world that he mm. is completely against his character. Um, like they make the, and with the world building, like they make such a good point of uh, of keeping him trapped both physically and metaphysically. So that he is physically trapped in this small town of Puxatawney, um by the blizzard. So yeah. he he cannot escape. He cannot get out. And then he's metaphysically trapped by this just repetition of the same day over and over again, neither of which he has any control over. And yeah, that's, yeah, it's just, it's beautiful world building the way that they were able to just do that in a, in a weirdly natural way. And yeah, having the weather be the reason why he's physically trapped there is, is a really fun thing because of course he's a, he's a weatherman. And one of the first lines he says in the film in, in, it, it completely in line with his narcissistic personality is I control the weather or I make the weather. Yeah, yeah. And it's really nice that that's trapped him in. Yeah. I like how it opens. I like this film, how it opens on his hand against the uh, the blue screen in the in the studio. I thought that was interesting. I'm like, oh, that's that's right. That's how they do it or used to do it. I know a lot of, a lot of television now, they've got massive video walls that they just walk in front of and, and present the image there. But yeah, blue screen, green screening. It's a really nice way that they show it. You know, we, we've all seen it. We've all seen how they play with the, the animations and everything. But it was a nice little peek behind. Uh, they, yeah, they play with the weather so much. And I think, you know, the, the, the reason he's trapped, because he doesn't have to be trapped. He could have traveled back home and he could have lived that whole day again. It doesn't matter. But if he were to leave Punxsutawney, he would no longer have been within this hatred of his life. This is the, the least liked thing that he is doing with his life. He, he says that he's scared that if someone sees him interviewing a groundhog, that he has no future. You know, he almost tells the universe that this is going to be the perfect opportunity to learn a beautiful lesson. So make sure yeah. that I stay within this environment. Yeah, the, like the entire town is the villain to yeah. our protagonist. Yeah. Uh, even though I think that those roles are actually reversed, I think our lead character yeah. is, the, is the villain and the town is the, is the hero, which is ended up, ends up what happening 
uh, at the end of the film anyway. They're enemies and they become lovers. And yeah, not, pretty much. Not Phil and Rita's character. Phil hates the town, but in the end, he, he one of the last lines is, let's move here. He wants to move yeah. there. He's fallen in love with the place. He loves it. He's come to this realisation that he's he's in the place that he wants to be. I bet he it's came nice. to his senses about half an hour after that and left the town so quickly. Oh, no, it looked so beautiful with that freshly freshly fallen snow on the road and that beautiful song playing in the background. Yep. I would have fallen in it's just that. It's just Stockholm Syndrome at that point. He just he can't leave. Yeah, maybe. You can't blame him. He spent an eternity there, nearly an eternity. All right, all right, all right. What else? What else about world building, about this, about this scene, this scenario that we are thrust into? I mean that's that's pretty much it. I just mm. uh, I wanted to call out that how well it was done that you never question what's happening. You just accept it and go along for the ride because of how well constructed the world is. Um, so yeah, I'd be really happy to move on to themes now if you want to have a chat about those. All right. Well, we're kind of talking about themes anyway. It's hard not to talk about. Well, it's hard to talk about this yeah. film and not mention any kind of idea behind it. Uh, so all right. So we've already talked about you know lesson learning. Mm, tell me your themes. Yeah, I mean it's. It's a very, it's things. a very, very, very obvious yeah. metaphor for just the, the daily grind of everyday yeah. life. Waking up and doing the same chores over and over again for the same people, um, not really doing anything for yourself. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a story literally as old as time. For as long as human beings have been telling stories, that's, that's been in there. There's a, I'm not sure if you know too much about Greek mythology uh, and the story of Sisyphus. So Sisyphus was cursed by uh, Zeus because he wanted to try and, and better himself, get more wealth and, uh, and, just, and just make himself better. And so he was cursed by Zeus to push uh, an immense boulder up a hill. And when he got to the top, the boulder just rolled down and he had to just repeat this process for eternity. Mm, reminds so me you, of a very famous um, animation. And a, and, uh, yes, Homer. <laughs> a Simpsons episode, yeah, there's how very much is it the Stonecutters organization that he joins and they make him do that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, heavily based Stonecutters. off the Freemasons. Yeah, so it's it's impossible to to watch the film and uh, if you are aware of this story and not see parallels to it because it, it, it very mm. heavily takes uh I would say heavily takes from that that piece of mythology. And a really interesting thing as well that the director was saying was they weren't really trying to put religious allegories in there like it wasn't a it wasn't a thing that they were going for but you know you could you could take purgatory for example as as one of the religious themes and and he started receiving letters and and talking to people from high up within different all kinds of different religious organizations so catholicism and judaism and and buddhism i've seen that yes and and they were all they were all saying you've completely you've completely encapsulated uh, what we believe in. Yeah. And he's like, oh, wow, I think, I think we're really onto something here. Yeah, I like uh, it. Which is, which is really cool to not, not try for that and, uh, and hit it. For something to be able to touch so many different religions as well, you know, what, what does that say? You know, all the religions are about being better, being a good person for whatever, for whatever outcome, but essentially be a good person. Uh, and whatever means you have to get there, that's that's that that then determines the religion, I guess. But uh, it's nice. There are a lot of um, remarks to God and a God 
in the film as well. So it's not like they can say that they, they, that they didn't think about religion at all. Um, I was, I had to write a couple of the, the points down and it's actually one of my favorite scenes is the first mention where Phil, where Bill Murray's character feels that he is a God. Uh, and you know, and he goes around the diner and starts explaining everyone's life to Rita and telling her about everything. And I, I really like that scene and I like how they play it. And I like the surprise on everyone's face when they realize, oh yeah, I do want to go to Paris. And you know, all those kinds of things. It's a really nice moment where he can share finally without sounding, well, he sounds like a loony, but you know, we're with him and we believe him. We don't think he's just caught in some dream. Okay, it's happened two times, you've repeated. Maybe he bumped his head. We're with him and he can finally do it. And it gives us a sense of relief as well that we can be there with him. And we're like, yeah, this is so cool. Show off your skill, Phil. Uh, and, he, and he refers, I wrote, I wrote the line down. Oh, you'd think <laughs> I know where I wrote it down. Where is it? Um, he, where is my note? Where is my note? Man, I'm going to find the note and then I'm going to tell you once I've found the note. Okay. What scene are you talking about? I I'm, might be able to I'm quote it. I'm talking about that same scene. And look, I'm going to paraphrase it, paraphrase it until it says, I find I'm, it. I'm not a god. I'm not the god. I'm a god. Yeah, he says that. And But at the end of all of the, you know, this is... Yeah. Maybe, maybe, she says, maybe God doesn't know everything. Maybe he's just been around long enough. That's it. Because Rita says... Is this some sort of trick? Yeah. And he says, it's not yeah. a trick. Maybe God oh, uses God. tricks. He says, maybe God isn't omnipotent. Maybe he's just been around. He's just been long around enough. long enough. He knows everything. He knows everything. Yeah. I thought, oh, that's, that's an interesting take. Uh, he also falls, you know, when Rita stays overnight to see if anything happens, you know, she falls asleep next to him and he's reading a book. Now, I, could, I yeah. never could see what the book is. It always had this weird glare on it. It was like a gold foil embossing on a, on a, a green cover. Yeah. It was hard to read it. But, you know, she, she comes to and says, oh, sorry, were you saying something? Or where was I in the book? And he said something like, I think the last thing you heard was only God can make a tree. I'm like, wow, this is, this is some heavy stuff. This is going to be extremely relevant. I better listen carefully to this bit. So they do touch yeah, that's, on it. That's the turning, the turning point in the film for yeah. him where he he wakes up the next day and, and completely dedicates that day to two others yes um in fact when yeah when uh asked by by rita uh after they they do the the filming if she, if he wants to go and get a cup of coffee he's like oh i'd love to but i'll have to get a rain check because i've got some errands to run and and off he goes and like catches to the see boy. the growth yeah, to see the to see the growth of his character in that moment where she has she has been for lack of a, a better word she has been the prize for him yeah. the entire film that he's been unable to get uh, just a, a product of its of its time unfortunately using using that um, but yeah for him to just be like oh no like thank you very much I've got some other things that I need to do that that line shows shows the arc completely so then the entire day can run mm -hmm. as it does for him to finally break out of the cycle. Yeah, is it? It's, it do you do you sorry. sorry? Do you know what the, the, the a lot of people are going to be listening? Going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this. the seven deadly sins. Yes. Yeah. Were well, you going there? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If yeah, you're... that's where I was literally about to go. You read my mind. I will let you continue on my thought <laughs> process. You. you can keep. Why don't you tell them uh, about seven deadly sins, Lee? About what you're I was going to say. Very kind. 
So there are that <laughs> everyone knows about the seven deadly sins. I would I would assume if you don't, they are pride, lust, Thank you. Uh, gluttony, envy, wrath, sloth, is and six. the other one, and and the other six. one. I was going to say that. I was going to say that after doing the first two that I know, and the other ones. Oh, people are going to yell at me. That's okay. I'm all right with that. I'll jump on the I'm Google. Trying to think squid. of the movie Seven so that I can remember <laughs> them all. How did all of the people die in that? <laughs> In that is, film. Is greed and gluttony, are they the same? Do they fall under the same uh, banner? No. No. So he, Envy, Phil, anyway, our, we'll our lead character, pretty much hits on every single mm. deadly sin. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, pri- his pride is probably the biggest one. He is just so pride within himself. If you hear the clickety-clack of the keyboard, Terence is probably Googling what the seven deadly sins are. I am. I'm a really good touch typer. Right? No, that's touch fine. Touch type like this. Um, oh, you do that, and I'll keep I'll keep going with this. So, Pride, uh, he, uh, the very beginning of the film where he they're about to leave to go to the town, and he's like, if, you know, excuse me, hairdo, to his co-host, of uh, to his co-anchor, sorry. Uh, excuse me, hairdo, if you'll, if you'll be... Uh, I think you'll find that there's a major uh, network interested in me. Like, he's, he's very prideful... Um, lust and gluttony are the two things that he he really grabs a hold of when he realizes that there are no consequences of the day yep. really early in the film you know yep. gorging himself on cigarettes and pastries and coffee I've got to and say lust, obviously he watching him eat that slice of cake is the best cake eating scene I've ever had in my life ever seen in my life and I try to emulate that that wherever I can recently I've <laughs> been so doing gross. that I'm not eating too many sweet things at all but I, I have been to parties where I've seen big cakes and thought I could just, I could, <laughs> I'm just going to try and Bill Murray this, but I worry if about what was, the kids If there was think. no tomorrow, then why not? You wouldn't nah. even have to floss. Uh, nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so gluttony, um, uh, sloth. Obviously, like there's there's days where he just doesn't, you know, doesn't get out of his pajamas or or wash or even out of bed where or where he stays we at home and just think. watches Jeopardy. Yeah. Um, Wrath, he Sloth. Like, obviously punches Ned and uh, drives the, like steals the the groundhog and drives the car off the cliff and and then with, with the two drunk guys as well driving the car and sort of breaking everything in his path like just yep. without a care in the world. So yeah, yeah. he kind of hits on all of them and I think with envy, I think he envies Rita in a way and I think he's scared to be like her because it would mean being more selfless. Ooh, yeah. Did you figure out what the seventh deadly sin was? I've got them here. Lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. Oh, I did get I them all. You, I think you spoke about all of them. I don't know if you were able to list them all. I don't know. How many fingers do you have on one hand? I don't know. Maybe you maybe did I, count them. I, maybe I did five, but I said six. Yeah, anyway. I have no idea. Uh, you know what? If people it aren't watching it on YouTube, they're going to miss out what I'm doing right now. Yeah, true. I've just put. Oh, you want to see that? Oh, that's, that's amazing. Top, that's top content right there. I think you hit all the sins. <laughs> I, I was trying to find a connection as well, just in themes, um, to the uh, Kubler Ross grief cycle. Okay. Where when people go through go through um, uh, the grieving experience, they go through the the, the five stages of denial, anger, yes. depression, bargaining, and acceptance. Yep. And yeah, rewatching it very recently, I had this in mind, and he does go through uh, the entire cycle as well. Oh, good. I'm glad you're bringing this up. I always think, oh, he's going through the, the signs. The first one is always denial, and then I, I forget what all the other ones are. But I was pretty sure he I was ha- going through that process. You're about I did to have tell to Google us, it. 
Yeah. No. Well, the, it's oh, all it's all there in the film. Yeah. Um. The, like the obviously the first the first thing he does when he wakes up the following day is, uh, he goes to see a doctor and a psychiatrist. Like he's just he's and he's trying to get out of the town. Who is a cameo? What if there is no tomorrow. There wasn't yeah. one today. Oh yeah, I love that. That's a cameo by the director Howard Ramis. Is the first uh, doctor, oh, the doctor that he the sees. neurosurgeon. Yeah. Uh, and he says you've got to miss. A, a misdiagnosis or a misforecast or something. I wrote that down as well. I'm really bad at writing my notes and then saying, oh, I've written this one down. I don't know. Yeah, but it was funny. It was like, you know, because he's miscalculated the weather forecast and he's like, nope, this is a misprediction. I think he says it's a misprediction. I don't know. Oh, I think, I I think Phil line. says something like that. He goes, wait, this is a misprediction. I want a, another opinion. Yeah, yeah. I want a second opinion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he can't get a CAT scan or anything because he would have to leave town. And yep. he can't because yep. he's trapped. So metaphorical. Oh, you're looking at notes too. Good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah, no, I've got, notes. I've got notes down here in case. Yeah, like, why, why is why is he looking down at at his feet? No, I've got I've got notes. All right, good. Um, uh, Ramas the the he goes and sees the psychiatrist. He says, "Yeah, yeah can you come back tomorrow?" He's totally out of his depth. I love it. The very small town, the small town psychiatrist. Yeah, I love, I love Bill Murray's frustration. Oh, by the way, I wanted to open this episode with these words. We're not going to edit it. Just do me a favor. Just watch this and then go back to the bed, uh, back to the beginning. Uh, uh, hi, hi, Lee. Welcome to the, the movie calendar. Groundhog Day. Let me sum it up in two words. Bill Murray. Good. I got that out of my system. I had to say that this is just a classic film for me. Anyway, okay. Continue. <laughs> I love that. I love that you hold this film in such high regard, but yet still forgot to do that. That's so. But they just shoehorned it in. No, it's fine. It's gonna. It's a natural flow is gonna continue from that. I'm absolutely sure you haven't. You haven't derailed the the, the podcast whatsoever. No, nah, it was just gonna be something you were gonna say anyway. So yeah. now you can say it. <laughs> so, uh, I think we should talk about the characters. All right. Oh. With how, how few of them there okay. are, there are some some very much outstanding ones and. We should talk about Phil. We're going to speak about him the most. Um, the character of uh, Phil Connors, played by the the brilliant and wonderful Bill Murray. Who? Uh, not not the original choice for the role from the director. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might be aware, but if you are not, uh, Harold Ramis originally wanted Tom Hanks to play Phil Connors. And I don't know why he didn't do it or couldn't do it, whether it was a scheduling conflict or he just didn't want to do it. I... I don't know the answer. I'm sure people would. Um, you could probably find it out giving it a Google. Or if anyone does know, feel free to leave it in the comments below so I can learn myself. That would be really cool. It's really um, weird to, to think that Tom Hanks was was thought of in this film. And it's like with nearly every yeah. film, you know, that, oh, this person could have picked up this role and this person, and you always think, ah, they wouldn't have done a good job in it. But it, I mean, also considering that, that, that Harold Ramis has worked with Bill Murray many times, yeah. Um, you know, worked with him and directed him, Ghostbusters and all the Caddyshack stuff and all that. Like, you know, the, the, the personality of this character seemed to just fit perfectly with the characters oh. that Bill Murray has been known for. Yeah. There's a reason why Bill ended up doing it. Like, he was yeah. perfect for the role. And, and Tom Hanks, after seeing the film, approached Harold Ramis and, and just said, thank God you didn't cast me. Yeah. Uh, and Harold and Harold was curious and asked why. Uh, and he... and Tom Hanks responded with, well, everyone knows me as the good guy in Hollywood. And 
if I was playing this despicable character, everyone would just be waiting for the moment that I turned into the good guy. Yeah. But with Bill, you never really know. You never really know which way he's going to go. He could go either way. He plays it so well. Yeah, yeah. if he's going to be just despicable and disgusting and uh, egocentric the entire film, or if he is going to change. And I think, yeah, that's, that's Bill's magic trick uh, yeah. in this uh, in this film is the yeah, you never you never quite know how he's gonna go and he of all all um actors he he would be able to pull that off no problem right through he could stick that 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 character all the way through and you'd still fall in love with him by the end um but it was really nice i think and some, there was something really settling and and homely about watching him go through this change and you know, his normal characters are zany and, and really, what's the word with where you tell a joke, but your face doesn't look like it's joking? What's Deadpan. Oh, man, I can't believe I didn't think of that. He is so deadpan <laughs> with everything. So yeah, watching him have, right. have these scenes towards the end where he's really lovely and really enjoying what he's doing and helping people, I was nearly taken aback. And I was nearly waiting for him to snap back. Nearly nearly but then i got lost in it and i started really enjoying it for for what the lesson was and for the lesson that he obviously had learned and that he is a different person now you know and it only took one day to change him yeah just one day (laughs) over and over and over and over and over for all everyone knows yeah it was only a day it was only a day um yeah oh okay so speaking of characters I was very interested in the rest of all the characters as well, not even the ones that were named. Yeah, the the um, not the main characters. So yes, ones that came in, like the, the the girl who he pretended to go to high school with. I can't remember their names. Um, right. You know, uh, Ned, of course. You know, thinking about what they brought to it and how they didn't have this character arc that Rita would have had no no she's yeah. one of them as well she didn't have a character arc really that that only that only uh phil connor's had it was really weird and to be a, a person viewing it's nice when you can step back and go wow these these extras <laughs> had to walk in the background for every single shot which extras have to do anyway but they had to do multiple takes in that same same scene where just one thing was different and i don't know how many times i would have had to shoot all these scenes where there were so many people but um i think i i saw something as well where uh and it might have been in the same like featurette that that you were mentioning before well where bill wanted to do something for the town he just bought everyone danishes you know I, i think knowing that this film had such an impact on this small town I think brought a lot to it and they would have loved the film. Anyway, I'm, I'm steering away from characters. So we're, we're talking about Bill Murray's character, right? We're talking about Phil, Con- Phil Connors. We, we were, yeah. Yeah, we were. <laughs> but that's, that's okay. I'm very derailing today. I don't know. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Uh, we're, not, we're not used to this structure. If it, if it feels a little bit more rigid than it usually does, I can, I can feel it a little bit. Um, try and, we'll try and loosen up. Uh, just a, just a little bit. We haven't had this kind of structure before, so uh, yeah, we're I'm not just sure if no we'll rules. continue. Yeah, I'm not sure if we'll continue with this kind of thing. We just, I just wanted to to give it a try to see oh, we'll how see. it went. 
um, because this is also this is a very young podcast still, uh, only episode three at the moment. So yeah, we're 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 trying things out. If this if it doesn't work well, this one, then we just won't do it. That's that's completely fine. Yeah. Um, but right. yeah, Phil, uh, Phil is just, and we've we've said it before, but he is just such a despicable human. He's just mm. so egocentric and self-absorbed and self self-involved. Does not care about literally anyone except for himself. Uh, which is like it's it's such a necessity for the film because you can't have growth without having flaws. But he's just got all of the flaws of mm. <laughs> of a of just a, a really bad guy. So it's. Yeah, it, it's really interesting that you are still on his side for the film, and I, I think they they get away with it because of just how charming and funny Bill Murray is. So yeah, I could I could not see anybody else in this role because the, it would he would they I can't see anyone who would toe that line of of just really horrible but but still somewhat likable. Yeah, I can't either. I've not ever thought of it. But, you know, I'm not good like that anyway. I, I can't see a film and go, oh, they really should have cast someone else for that. Um, it's, it's almost like this was written for him. Uh, mm. So it's, a, it's really weird to think that he was maybe second choice. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, it, it, it is good. It happens that, a lot. That happens so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is why I, f- I, I find it really hard, <laughs> hard to try and picture someone else in it. And I know that someone else is always in it, uh, always in the running for it, of course. I love watching audition tapes of the ones that got away or, you know, the ones that couldn't do it because of other, other um, what's it called? Other things they had on. Commitments. I'm so bad with words on this time now. Uh, That's right. You don't need to be good with words. It's only a podcast. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, we're milking that, aren't we? Um Sorry. Okay. Uh, 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 okay. So Phil, I think I think we're good talking about Phil. Can we move on? Yeah. Let's talk about yeah, absolutely. Rita. Rita. Yeah. Yeah. She she uh, unfortunately falls into the category of of uh, women who are used as motivation and prizes for men in yeah. cinema, yeah. and completely understand uh, product of its time. Um, actually, this film came out a lot later than I originally thought. I thought it came out in the eighties, but it's it's it came out in ninety three. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, unfortunately, yeah, the film does have this uh, yeah, this one one flaw in in my eyes. I'm sure a lot of people don't don't care about it, but for me, yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite sad that all she's kind of got to do is is be a prize for him to to win. And testament to the writing, though, they don't. Uh, they don't allow any of the tricks that he, that Phil tries to pull to work. Yeah, like absolutely none. She has no bar of it whatsoever. So uh, I do really like that from a character perspective that he has to completely change as a human being just to kind of be tolerable in her eyes. Yeah, they do, and she she's such a strong character as well, and she represents everything that Phil doesn't represent. Yeah, complete opposite. Um, and and. Therefore, is the the goal for Phil? He he, I think he realizes there's no way he's going to be able to to create a life with this person um, initially, anyway. But you know, in that very first scene that he sees her, where she's playing on the blue screen and she's wearing a blue top, so her body disappears and it's just her her head and her hands, and she's playing with the uh, with the effect. 
I so I watched this with my wife and I said, you know, he says that he always loved her from the moment he saw her. And I said, yeah, but he, there was nothing showing that he did. He's just saying that now, you know, is he lying then? And she reminded me, she goes, no, no, they, he paused and he stopped and he changed when he realized what she, you know, what she represented to him. And I rewound it. I looked, well, I didn't rewind it. I watched it again afterwards and saw, yeah, he has this like moment of being awestruck um, where he has that that moment, you know, and she's just so innocent and oh, hi, and just her beautiful self, you know. Um, I think Andy McDowell plays her so well. She's, yeah. you know, to to be able to just embody what Rita means every single time that camera points to her is is pretty amazing. Her character can't change at all. Um, I think it was amazing watching it. Just so soft in everything she does and so caring in everything she does that, um, you know, it's hard to see how these two characters would not get into a fist fight. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think, and, and I, you know, I, I've mentioned this to you a few days ago, the, the chemistry that the two actors have with each other. They and, bounce off each other so well. Oh, they've got amazing timing and the movements that they that they have, the way they they orchestrate this 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 dance that they have with each other is amazing. But the scene in the van, the very first scene that they have together, um, I love where you know the the cameraman driving the truck, Larry, uh, Chris Elliott. I love Chris Elliott. He's in in an amazing series now, Shit's Creek, which is. I, I'm, I'm all over that. Uh, I love it. He's a brilliant job, and he's in a few other things as well. we'll I'm sure we'll talk. Are we going to talk about Larry? Let's. Oh yes, we're talking about Larry. All right, we'll talk, I won't talk about him now. But say so that scene, and he talks about how he goes and he did the story on the swallows for six years in a row, and then Rita's character is like, oh, I don't know what's so bad about the groundhog. He comes out and does his little, and she reenacts and talks it all. I, I love that bit where Phil just totally dismisses her and makes fun of her and you know teases her with the little yeah do that again and pulls the mirror down so he can see her and she says you know people like it and he goes yeah people are morons people also like blood sausage and you know after that i swear i thought that was all ad-libbed but you said that that was all scripted right yeah it's all it was all scripted it just shows how how good they are together and how how amazing they are it's just as performers yeah where he points to the glove box and says i've got some blood sausages in the glove box and she just Quick as a quick as attack is like I like blood sausage. Of I course like you do. Blood yeah. yeah, of course you. And he's still, the reason I think that is so real is because she talks over the top of him, and it looks it's like so she's organic. interrupting his line, and it does seem really organic. And I think that's that's where the art is. And you know, I, I haven't seen many films where it's like that. Two people have a conversation; they talk over the top of each other. You and I talk over the top of each other all the time, but in movies, they very rarely are scripted to do that, unless it's a scene where they're having an argument. It's very rare that that happens. It doesn't. It's not in, in yeah. real life. You don't wait for the other person to finish necessarily. Well, I don't. Not for you, anyway. But you know, I think that was incredible. Anyway, that was about the chemistry of the two of them. Uh, okay, yeah. let's keep going. Keep going. You got more things about Rita? I want to hear what you, what um, you want to say about this. Honestly, character. not, not, not really. I oh. think that uh, I, I think she's just from what from what she's given. She is she's incredible. She's very, mm. um, 
and I said this about Joy in last week's episode of of, uh, of when we talked about Inside Out. Um, she's very ethereal, where mm. she's just she just emanates with this with this just luminous presence. Yeah. Uh, every time she's on screen, uh, you you can't help but but watch her. Uh, yeah. She's just she's captivating, and some some people have that and some people don't. And she's absolutely got it in spades. Uh, can't take can't take my eyes off her performance for a minute. Yeah, I like that she's a she's a really good kind of barrier for Phil. Where yeah, she's she's absolutely his his equal. Yeah. Um, if not if not more so. Uh, I mean, she's literally his boss, being the producer. Yep. But yeah, there's there's nothing that that he does with all of his tricks and quips. Uh, even and not even I'm talking about the tricks when he's trying to to be with her uh, for the, all the wrong reasons. Um, just all of the the tricks that he does to try to just get by in his day to day life, using humor to disarm and like she just she doesn't have a bar of it and she yep. can give it as good as she can take it. She's yeah. really funny as well in the film, uh, and yeah, stands toe to toe with with everything that Bill Murray does. She's like his uh, reader is Phil's guiding light. She she stays constant and true. She, uh, I did write something down here as well. She looks at everything positively. Um, yeah. She gets taken aback by things like when he laughs at, <laughs> when he laughs at her when she says she likes French. Is it French poetry? Yeah. Um, she's she's literally says that she studied. <laughs> she got a major in French poetry, and he's like, oh, what a what a waste of time. I mean, for for anyone else, that would be a huge waste of time. But not for you. Oh, damn it! <laughs> Start well, the day again. So she's, you know, she, she, we know she studied French poetry, but in one of the earlier scenes, which I think is the third day that, that Phil realizes that he's in this experience. And this is the same scene where he, he is uh, very gluttonous and shoves mm. the cake in his mouth where she just goes into this poetry, um, this phrase out of a poem. Um, now I did find out what that meant um did you end up doing anything with that did you look into the french poetry side of it great i had to write it down and i do have the note here on my screen i'm gonna say what she said i think i'm gonna mispronounce a word so she watches her devouring this cake and she's talking about don't you worry about cholesterol don't you worry about a heart attack don't you worry about these things and he says he doesn't worry about anything so she starts saying the wretch consent consented all in self Living shall forfeit fair renown, and doubly dying shall go down to the vile dust from whence he sprung, unwept, unhonored, and unsung. And she says it so good <laughs> as well. So, <laughs> did you just roll your eyes at me? <laughs> no, no, don't rewind and watch that, and I wouldn't lie. I did not roll my eyes. <laughs> well, um, in short, this means no matter how famous or wealthy uh, narcissists are, they will they will always be remembered like that. No matter what they yep. think, they will be remembered yep. as. They're always going to be remembered like that. Or and they just won't be remembered at all. Or they won't be remembered, which is probably their worst fear. And yes. when he goes through, when Phil goes through the phases of, of, of killing himself, the last time we see evidence of him doing this when he throws himself off the, off the building, uh, he, uh, Rita and Larry, the camera guy, have to ID the body. 
and you know the camera goes from Phil and pans up and Rita's in tears and Larry's like yeah 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 oh oh great guy oh knew him so well he's such a lovely lovely human being you know that was really talking to that as well where everything about him is fake so much to the point where people can see straight through him and no one has yeah. any respect for him we'll just lie about it just for the sake of 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 saving face you know yeah it was, literally yeah it was it was kind of a really poignant moment there and a nice callback to the whole attitude that he has to life but i thought there's got to be something to the poetry that she says here uh, so that was a poem by sir walter scott and it was called breathes there the man an excerpt from the lay of the last minstrel so I don't know when that was written, but Google it. You'll find it all out. And that was just a little excerpt from the poem. There you go. Yeah. I'm quite educated. His, his comeback to that as well is, um, it's like, you think, you think I'm acting like this because I'm egocentric? And, her, and she literally says, uh, of course I do. That's your defining quality, which mm-hmm. is absolutely fact at yeah. that point. But he just, he can't hear it because... Because ironically he's because he's so egocentric like he just he just doesn't hear that he doesn't see that of himself and he's got um, sponge cake coming out of his ears yeah. yeah 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 he thinks he thinks he's just everything and and yeah the the life lesson of of it doesn't like the, these simple pleasures and joys that you have in your life that, that that give you instant gratification like in the long term they don't mean anything yeah and true connection and 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 true selflessness are the things that that make you better and better your community and and uh and yeah that's i mean I've, i hadn't even thought about this for the before this is the first time I'm, I'm thinking about it and yeah it's it's really powerful um the the idea that that reader is almost like a a, a stream of consciousness that is there just waiting for him to realize um also shows its head later on with her ability to to be positive about everything and see things for more than what they are phil later on i think it's very similar to this the time might even be the same scene that i was mentioning earlier where um where he says I, i found it maybe the real god uses tricks maybe he's not omnipotent he just he's just been around so long he knows everything he he says at that point you know this is a curse or i'm cursed you know this is happening and rita says um maybe it's not a curse it just depends on how you look at it you know so she sees that you know if this is a thing maybe you can do something good with this and i think it's it's near that point that he realizes that she's right and he does try to change but you know i also think it's just his his egocentric nature getting bored he's done everything what else can i do i'm just gonna chill and read a newspaper yeah. and help he, li- an he literally guy. thinks he's he literally thinks that he's done everything because he's gone through all of the yeah. wicked and horrible things that he can do it doesn't even occur yeah. to him that he can be nice like yeah. it's just it's just not even on his radar and and that's what Rita teaches him that's that's what she's there for um yeah is to is to is to teach him that lesson and and he he learns it so mm. um yeah it's a like a very very important role in the film uh did you did you want to talk about uh larry all right let's talk about larry oh no wait 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 i want to i want to mention this as well because it was such an important moment two important moments first one not in order of importance but i like when he catches the kid who falls out of the tree and the kid never thanks him or the kid doesn't thank him 
yeah. then as he's running off, he goes, you never say thank you. I love that because it shows he's he's been doing that often yeah. enough. First of all, to know yeah, that he's got to say? catch the kid. What do you say? What do you say? What do you, what say? Do you say? So I, I like that immediately. I'm like, oh, good. He's been doing this for a long time. But isn't it funny yeah. that for all the other times, you never hear of, of a kid falling out of a tree? Like mm. he was high. And when Phil catches him, the kid is horizontal. If he fell on the ground like that, he would have, there would have been news that day. We didn't hear anything about it. So, you know, yeah. just I just want to put that out there. Okay, and the other one is when um, when he that, that would have been a really good what about when for later, Terrence. Ah, let's do it now. What about when we realise that the, nothing happens to the kid and the town doesn't care about children that fall out of trees and maim themselves <laughs> it's a, because it's, a, it's the it's groundhog from thing. the small town. Oh, we talk about the groundhog. That's what's on the news now. We don't want to sully it with little Jimmy who hurt himself because he fell out of a tree. Uh, and the other one was the... The old homeless guy who's who's freezing in the cold and he always snubs him. No, I don't have any money for you, old man. And then, of course, he changes. He helps him and he tries everything he can many, many, many times to save his life. And he realizes this is this is fate. It happens. And the nurse says, you know what? Sometimes people die. You know, that was a massive realization as well. But he had to learn more than just be good to people. He was already being good to people, but he had to really, really know that you can still be good to people. It doesn't mean that everyone is happy. It, um, it doesn't mean that everyone is, is better and saved. Uh, they have a house to go to and they're going to live a long life. He, he helped this guy be happy. He was totally selfless. He did what he could and that was all that matters. And he changed someone's life towards the end, you know? Mm. So there was a nice, a nice realization there. Again, I don't know how many times he had to help but I, I think that was so many. Really he would have crucial. he would have tried to save, he would have tried to save that old man so many times. Yeah, yeah. that old homeless man. Mm. It's um yeah it was it was really sad. I think that that moment for him is when he truly realizes that uh, we've been talking about all of the god metaphors and how he thinks of himself as a as a god. Yeah, that's the moment that he realizes that <laughs> he not. really has no power. <laughs> he has no control. Damn it, I'm um, not a god. Which then which then, you know, comes back really beautifully at the end where he's he is reading that book with Reader in the Bed and mm. and the line is only only God can make a tree. Because uh, when he's when he's standing over the, the man's body who's died, as soon as he finishes his, his CPR, he, he sits back and takes a breath and just looks straight up at the sky. And he's like I tried. There's nothing I can do. He, he realizes that there's, there is absolutely nothing that he can do. Wow. It was in that moment that I realized I was getting lost in the cinematography and I was watching that scene and they do an extreme, or not an extreme close-up, but, but the camera is really low next to the old guy and looking up to Bill Murray's face as he finishes giving CPR and he looks. And I noticed, you know, it's freezing cold and Bill's got steam coming out of his mouth his condensation's coming out and you see the condensation from the old guy and you i think you hear an exhale and you see the steam and then there's no steam anymore right and i i realize they're using all these little tools as well that that you may not pick up on so clever. I thought, Ooh, oh i didn't pick that up on the hundred other times that i've seen this film yeah. but you know there was so much put into that moment that um there were, there were a lot of self-realizations here for Phil's character, and that was definitely one of them. Definitely one. Yeah. 
no huge huge mm. moment um there's a really nice just i was gonna get to larry we're gonna get to larry in just a sec but just while she touched on the cinematography um there is a really excellent shot of the clock when it flicks from 5.59 to 6 a.m. There's a clock in this film? Are in, you kidding me? The incredible close-up of it flicking down in slow motion, oh, yeah. um, really, really personifying the weight of time. Because uh, it's, it's, it's that moment, it's the one where he stays in bed and he's just quietly talking to himself yeah. about... Uh, he's doing the radio announcement to him to himself stay outside uh-huh. it's 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 cold out there today it's cold every day and he's yeah that's that's when he hits the depression yep. cycle poor in the, phil in the arc yes i was Not thinking about phil. that you're too. a horrible horrible person and you deserve everything you got poor phil no i'm gonna be nice because phil. i want to wake up tomorrow and it be the next day oh poor phil no. oh by the way i used no. that uh that animation on our uh, insta Instagram profile. Oh, which we haven't saw, seen, but that's all right. That. You know, we'll put them up earlier on. We'll put the put the ways. No, to they'll be at the end. We'll, we we'll missed we missed the, the, the opportunity at the start because we yeah. wanted to get straight to it. Anyway, I love We're trying to save I time. We are genuinely trying to save scene. time. I love that scene. All right, let's talk about Larry. Larry, the camera guy, Chris Elliott. Yes. Right. Go talk. You're the one that wanted to talk about Larry. Oh, just just quickly, just about how he seems like a very uh, non-important character but he's kind of like a staple that uh, i don't know i haven't worked him out he's he's almost there for comedic purposes uh something to bounce off phil you know he's got a little bit of egotism with him as well you know and i i almost wonder is there going to be or or will larry have his own groundhog day as well i don't know he's not as selfish he kind of needs it he nearly does he nearly does uh, you know, he, he thinks he's all that. I love at the end scene when he walks into the party, the Groundhog Party. I'm going to steal his dance move. He's wearing that really big dad jumper, dad winter, come in and have a party by the fire. And he does this. This I'm going to use that. <laughs> walks in <laughs> tries yeah. to put his arm around. What is it, Tracy? I don't know. But uh, look, he, I think he needs a little bit of, uh, a little bit of help as well. But I yeah. like him. He's got he's got really good timing. Also, you know, his 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 one liners are just one liners. When the car, when Phil uh, drives off the the drives off into the quarry, you know, and <laughs> explodes. <laughs> well, he might be all right. <laughs> uh, Boom. Yeah, I know that was. Oh well, maybe not. That was a little bit nuts. Um, you know, so they're one-liners, they're throwaway one-liners, they're fine. Yeah. But uh, imagine, the- imagine being cast as the comic relief against Bill Murray. Well, you're that not going to try a, to. That hard, is not a you? job that you'd envy, right? Like you nah. couldn't do that. But look, I think, I think he, what he, I think he did all right. <laughs> yeah, I think what what Chris does really well, Chris Elliott in this role, is he he plays it subtle, which there's so many big performances in this film. Like I think he he knew. As a as an actor, that he couldn't outbig Bill Murray, so oh. he just he kept it he kept it subtle and restrained, and yeah, it's all his character is all the better for it. It was um, the nineties. So weird. Everyone knew who was Bill Murray 90s. was. Everyone knew if you're in a film with Bill Murray, this is going to be huge. Of course, he knew. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was massive. So yeah, he did a he did a really good job. And another actor who did a really good job uh, is I don't know the actor's name. I'm sure you know it, but the guy who plays Ned Ryerson, Stephen Toblowski. Tobolov, Tobolovsky, Tobolovsky. 
Oh, it's a Russian last name. Yeah, or, or Polish, I'm not sure. Toblowski. Polish, right. I Interesting. don't know. Well, Stephen, we'll stick with Stephen, just in case. Stevie boy. Okay, he likes to be called Stevie Steve-o. He's such a good... He's such a good character. I yeah. just... So on the opposite spectrum of Larry, just yeah, very low so key. big. Yeah, so yeah. big, so over the top. Um, yeah. And he is just hilarious. Everything that he does is just is wonderful. And you were talking uh, about yeah. how you, you, you were thinking that some of the scenes were off script. Um, there, is a, there is one off script moment uh, when they when they meet on the street for the first time, you, you probably saw it in the in the bonus features. But for yeah, the, I know the people listening or watching at home or wherever you are, there is a the moment where where Phil uh, goes up to Ned and just gives him a hug in the street was not scripted. It was just the the director went just give him a hug and and make it a little a little too long, <laughs> and then Bill Murray improvised all of the rest. So that that whole one was was completely improvised where when Ned Ryson ends up just uh, I gotta go Phil and just runs away down the street <laughs> it was so good what a run I want to learn how to run like that guy maybe it's just because he had a really big jacket on but he runs so awkwardly and I the love suitcase him. I think that's got to be one of the most oh, I don't know I was going to say one of the most quoted lines he's got the the brilliant line you better remember me better remember me because I, I sure as heck fire remember you I've never heard the word heck fire before I love that <laughs> There's lots of things that come out of his mouth that I think it's the first time that any human being has said it. Oh, it's very cool. I don't know. Other, I can't place him in other films. Do you know things he's been in? We could jump on IMDb and have a look. I'm but sure he's been in... If, if we can figure out what his last name is, I'm sure we'd be able to, <laughs> to find him. I don't I don't know. I, I, I know that he has been in lots of other things before, but yeah. I, I can't recall what any of them are. And with Chris Elliott, I, I really only remember him from something about Mary. And in yeah, it's same. In that's the show that's that I, I mentioned earlier. She's creepy about him. The, yeah, yeah the, the ex-boyfriend with the hives. <sighs> uh, Woogie, Carl Woogie. Oh, good pull. Yeah, Woogie. I would not have got that. Yeah, I like that. That's wh- that's where I remember him from. And he does subtle really, really well. And then he does over the top, amazingly. He does it really well uh, as well. As well as well as well. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Right. 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 See what I did there? It's good. It's very, it very funny. Yeah. Good riffing. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I love, I love him uh, as a as a character. He's really cool. Now, uh, let's talk about some funny bits. Humor. Yeah. Sorry, humor. The whole thing. Be a little funny. flash up here that with humor. Uh, Bing. This, <laughs> this movie. Not ding. Bing. Hilarious. What are you doing? (laughs) You said ding, but I had to say bing because Ned Ryerson. I I got the bing. Yeah, see, that's what I was doing. (laughs) Oh, bing again. Bing. Sharp as attack today. All right. So some good funnies. Good funny bits. It's very late. (laughs) Yeah. That's all right. Let's go through a couple of these. Um, I'm looking at the notes that I had for things that I wanted to say earlier. I think I've already covered them. Oh, there's my French poetry note. Um, chemistry. It's too late. We're not doing it now. I'm not going back. No, I'm not going back. Oh, okay. Here we go. Uh, on the second day, Bill walks down and says to the, the B&B owner, you know, do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. <laughs> Lancaster? Oh, I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. Oh, I love it. 
I love that. Yeah. She doesn't know French words. She doesn't know Italian words either. She doesn't know what cappuccino is. Because Expre- he asked espres- the espres- espresso. Espresso or cappuccino or deja vu. Yeah. yeah. He's, okay. so me- he's so mean. He's so mean what to a, her. What a in the beginning. naughty man. And everyone, I guess. What a naughty man. Oh, oh okay. Here's a funny thing. Um, did you know that... Like, I couldn't believe the sign of this town. Punxsutawney. Right. I think it's a real town. And I think that's hilarious. I googled it. I thought it was, f- I thought it was fictional. Well, I think it's real. Correct me if I'm wrong. Don't correct oh, me. It could, not it could you, be. Not you. I'm talking to everyone else that might be listening or watching. Yes, I know. Um, and, and then um, did you notice what the name of the park is that they go into? Gobbler's Knob. Yeah. <laughs> what? Am I the only one that finds that funny? <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess I guess there's lots of eleven-year-olds watching who find it hilarious. <laughs> I'm not going to embellish. I watched this with my daughter, and I was she was in. I was giggling. <laughs> um, maybe watch it with children that are a bit older. Uh, don't tell them about why that's funny. It's a good it's a good maturity test. Just walk up to someone and say the word <laughs> "gobbler's knob" and see how they react. <laughs> you can't just use that one out of the blue. You can't just say sure that you you'll can. be Do arrested. Tell, let us know how it goes. No. Uh, yeah, no, I, I honestly don't know if it's if it's a real or fictional town. I know that the town that they filmed in is called Woodstock, mm-hmm. uh, but it could it could very well be based on a on a real place. You can actually see in the background of a lot of the shots, there's like Woodstock General Store and and stuff like that. So that that's the name of the town that they uh, that they filmed it in. It, that's pretty cool. They're very proud. Any any town that has a film based in it all the you know that becomes a destination because of it i'm surprised well maybe they have a, a tour of uh the film that was shot there but i'm pretty sure i don't know google it jump online and see i'm pretty sure there is an actual groundhog day and i'm pretty sure it is in pennsylvania in Punxsutawney. i don't know what about the, the is the groundhog's name really phil did you why was why yes. was the groundhog called phil and why was phil called phil yeah why were they both called phil what was the connection there uh, I I don't know. You'd have to ask the the director and the writer. Um, they'd probably have a better idea than, than I would. Well, I think it's just a unfortunately nice, a nice the director parallel. Director has passed away, unfortunately. But uh, I might I might see if I can ask the Sad. writer if he is still around. I won't do that. But hey, uh, I think that's part I of the thing. Howard anyway, Ramis was dead. That's really yeah, sad. Yeah. I'd completely forgotten yeah. that. I'd, yeah, like, I think it's something I knew in my brain. But uh, mm. yeah, it had just it had just slipped out. Oh, that's oh, that's really sad. Yeah, yeah. I don't worry. I, I had that moment preparing for this uh, episode as well, where I thought, oh, I I totally forgot as well. Uh, but yeah, I think that's part of the charm of this that they they feel that they don't need to explain anything, you know, and that's why no. it's got a, a beautiful wide audience. Um, yeah. do, surely you have something that you thought was funny. You said oh, it was funny all the way through. So many things, yeah. There's there's a reason why it's renowned as being one of the the classic comedies, um, and it's one that is going to be infinitely watchable from like, from when it was made, probably till the end of time. Really, it's just it's such a universal story. Um, yeah, like there's there's so much humor that comes out of Phil's just horrible character, um, and just the way that he treats everyone else, like when he's. He's trying to, to, to score with the, the first woman that he meets in the in the diner and gets her name and, and everything. And you can see him putting it together and, 
and then goes there the next the next day and he's like nancy nancy it's it's phil and and you're just like oh it's it's hilarious but it's 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 disturbing at the same yeah. time yeah you know all of the all of the the ned rice and stuff gets me every yeah. single time and even at the very end when it's the the last day of the loop of the cycle and uh and ned and, and rita and phil meet up in that little hallway uh and and he goes this man changed my life i haven't seen him for 20 years and he buys this and this and this and it's the best day of my life and where are we going and rita's like oh let's not spoil it <laughs> I love that. Talking about over the top, his reaction is, oh, 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 I get that, ouch. That's very, is that vaudevillian? I don't know. That's very old school humor, the way he played that out. Very pantomime. Very pantomime. That whole last scene is just so beautiful. I love love that it's a celebration almost of Phil. He makes the party. Everyone's there for him. He's an expert pianist. He's he's everything. He's everything everyone wants to be. They buy him, all that kind of stuff. Um, But, you know, I, I like also in that scene where he introduces Debbie and Fred. Yes, I read that. Debbie and Fred. And he convinces Debbie to go ahead with the wedding. And he gives them the envelope. They open an envelope, a little gift. WrestleMania! I honestly had no idea. I thought, oh, they're not going to tell us what's inside of the envelope. It's a really sweet WrestleMania! I thought, oh, that was nice. Yeah. That's really cool. And so the funny bit was not that. The funny bit was when they thank uh, Phil and Rita <laughs> and Debbie kisses Phil on the lips. Mm, thank you. And uh, Fred kisses Rita just on the cheek, but a little bit too long. And Debbie just glares just at him. grabs him. <laughs> runs away oh yeah damn it all that hard work phil all that hard work yeah i like that moment that was funny we don't need to we don't need to tell anybody listening to this or watching this that this film is is funny it's no not at all uh, it's an an absolute classic yeah keep it in your collection watch it again uh you know what I, i spoke a lot about inside out being a great one to watch with kids i think this one is also good to watch with kids when they you know if you feel they're of age to to not be not be shocked by some of the scenes um, because it's a great lesson. It's a great way to to visualize how you can be a better person and what can happen yeah. if you are a That's nice a person when you do things for others. You know, I, I really like the idea of it and how much everyone else will everyone else will like you a lot more if you're nice to everyone else. Um, it's, it's it's a really nice nice takeaway. Uh, okay, the the song. Sonny and Sher. Yeah, the love op- opening oh, man. every single day of this man's life with a with a love song. No. Uh, completely juxtaposed to who he is as a person is is really clever. You can only think that this is his most hated song of all time. Right? As yeah. the character. Yeah. Uh, and this you know, you see a scene where the, the alarm clock is smashed to smithereens on the on <laughs> He's the floor. so sick of it. Uh, I like that. I like the shower. The first day he comes back and he, it's so stupid, but the way he screams inside of the shower because it's icy cold. Jumps out. I couldn't help but laugh the way he does that. Yeah, uh, brilliant physical co- uh, comedy. And then I when he, he, like, he, he leaves the bathroom in his robe and everything and he sees the, is it Mrs. Lancaster? Is Lancaster, that, that yep. Name? Yep. And he walks in the hall and he's like, there's, there's no hot water. <laughs> like oh no there wouldn't be today it's like, oh, <laughs> of, of course there wouldn't <laughs> uh, i love that i love that and then oh okay and then there's the uh 
man in hallway is what he's credited as. Oh, yeah, that's really sweet. Yeah, morning. He's got a really, really beautiful moment. <laughs> Have to see the groundhog. Well, I've got a little a little connection here. I've got a little link to something here with this guy. Um, okay, go for I, it. I, you may recall in the episode we spoke about Inside Out that I made a link between the, the whole premise of Inside Out being thoughts inside of a head to a 90s sitcom called Herman's Head. Yes, I remember. And there were four characters. There was uh, sensitivity, intellect, fear, and lust. Well, the lust character was named Animal. And it was the same actor as Man in Hallway. And his name was Ken Hudson Campbell. And I couldn't believe it. I thought when when we chose this film, I thought, hang on, no way. I remember who this guy is. Ken Hudson Campbell was the representation of lust in Herman's head <laughs> who we spoke that's about in a, last week's episode that's such a weird connection I know I could well you know what I'm the king of connecting things right we know that's, that uh, okay I've connected Parasite <laughs> to Inside Out I've connected well, Groundhog Day to Inside Out I don't know about that I think I did yes I did it'll be stop. fun to try and connect connect this film to next week so that'll be fun another good one for the kids next week as well Oh, um, we'll get to that in just a moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember what it is this week. I have it. I have it written down. <laughs> I haven't forgotten this one. Well, look, uh, I think it's a good time. Let's get into some what about whens. All right, let's do so. What about when? Um, we've got some amazing contributions uh, to what about when this week. If you'd like to contribute to these, uh, we we welcome it from from anywhere in the world. Uh, just uh, so we've got Twitter, Instagram. Uh, they're all at the movie cal we have a website themoviecalendar.com and i've received a few this week from email so our email is the themoviecal at gmail.com yes <laughs> uh, i've got some we received a really nice letter this week uh from someone who watched our our inside out episode uh and I've, we've got a few what about when's in that letter so um thank you to to who wrote those we'll get to those in just a bit but yeah i've got a i've got a what about when from a, a friend of mine dan who who messaged uh, he had one last week as well for, for Inside thanks, Out. Thanks for messaging, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Um, so it's when, and we spoke about it a little bit, but when Phil punches Ned in the street, it's the it's the first day that he realizes that there's no no consequences, and he just Ned crack. Hey, does that so class as a sucker punch? I think it does. There's so. no warning. Yeah. that wasn't very fair. Which is perfectly fitting into Phil's character. What a horrible to sucker man. punch somebody. Okay, that was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, another one, another one from Dan was when. Uh, oh, and this is another one from. Uh, so this is a double one from Chris and Dan. Chris was the the person who wrote the the lovely email to us, uh, and it's when Phil steals the hedgehog. Oh, sorry, the the groundhog. I just wrote hog for shorthand, so I said hedgehog. Steals the groundhog. <laughs> That's where hedges wow. grow out of. Hedges I'm grow gonna, out of the yeah, ground. I'm gonna, no, they, they grow. They, uh, groundhogs grow on on hedges. Yeah, I'll save you, Lee. He meant them off when they're meant, ripe. Yeah, he meant ground. They grow out of hedge. That's the ground. I can't help All you. Right. So yes. Yeah, so when he from steals the groundhog, I love it. It's yeah. the first time you see anything about the groundhog, and they go, "Oh, he smiled at me. He smiled at me." Oh yeah, man, he's got He's got to go. Those poor people in that town have nothing better to do than wait a whole year for this groundhog episode. Anyway, oh, yeah, okay. Big, big event. Oh, it's huge! It's huge. Yeah. And now I've, 
I've kind of got a what about when from uh, Jay, who who's a friend of mine who messaged me, and I, I almost didn't include this, but I thought it was too funny not to. Um, so Jay has said, uh, what about when he, as in my friend Jay, mm-hmm. uh, had a massive crush on Andy McDowell after watching the film? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not? What uh, about yeah, I, when... I get it. I also did. That's fine. Yep. I get it. Yeah. You get it. You're not alone. You're not alone, Jay. <laughs> no, I'm sure there was lots and lots of people uh, I, who were. Yeah, she's she's incredible. I didn't realise that that was uh, Anna McDowell's actual accent. That was the way she spoke. I'm seeing her in interviews and she sounds exactly like that as well. I thought maybe she's putting it yep. on for the character. No. Wow. It's very cool. I guess that's what, um, you know, other, I think uh, a lot of Americans uh, in movies, they say right, Americans love the British accent. I don't know. I think that was a pretty cool yeah. accent. <laughs> yeah, no, um, uh, Bill Murray's accent is, is the same as well. So that's, ac- that's actually his accent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You got another what about when? Uh, I do. So now there's a, there's a few here. And now normally we try and limit it to sort of one, maybe two. But um, Chris, who sent us this, this lovely email, has got, has got a few. So we'll, we'll go through these. Um, I really wanted to go through them just for, for him reaching out with this, with this beautiful letter. Uh, so what about when uh, Phil and Rita are dancing for the first time in that, um, in the, the gazebo, gazebo, the rotunda? Yeah. Yeah. And the music lyrics, Beautiful if you turn on shot. the subtitles, the music lyrics at this point say, you don't know me, is the song lyrics that are playing, which is, this is something that I didn't pick up on. Um, I didn't either. So yeah, which is, it, no, it's, it's such a nice, such a nice little yeah. little thing for, for people who are, are paying close attention, those attention to detail things that I love so much. So thank you, Chris, for pointing that out to me. I had, I had no idea because he hasn't learned his lesson at that point. He's trying to... He's still trying to trick her into into liking him. You know, I've, I love that song. It's on one of my, you know, calming playlists. And it is it's just... It's a beautiful song. It's beautiful. And I know it. And I love it when I watch that scene. And I didn't make that connection either. I'm trying to find out yeah. who who sings it. Oh, man. Even Bublé's covered it. It's extremely well known. I don't know the original version of it. Anyway, keep going. Ray Charles does now it this, too. Now, this was the one that, was that, that Dan uh, had as well, which is the when he steals the groundhog so dan and chris both have this one yeah so yeah yeah, and uh and so chris's chris chris's continues uh and rita says oh who who would why why would someone steal a groundhog and larry goes oh i could think of a few reasons pervert (laughs) and so he's kind of got a question here being like why was that the first thing that you thought of and you got there way too quick larry (laughs) Yeah, Larry needs his own Groundhog uh, Day. I think yes, we've established. I agree. Larry is a pervert, and yes, uh, who is the pervert, and, Larry? Yeah, needs needs a little bit of help. He, he should probably mm-hmm. go and see a psychiatrist, but not the one that's in that small town. I think he needs a, a bit of a more of a professional. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, one mm-hmm. Uh, one more yep. during so just after that scene when he he commits suicide for the first time by driving off the cliff and the and the the, the car explodes. Um, and I had to go back and rewatch this because I didn't pick it up at any of the times that I've seen it, is you can actually hear the groundhog scream <laughs> a little bit. There's a little, like, a squeaking scream, animal noise coming from the fire. Uh, and he's just he just says that that's excessive. And again, I would have to agree. Wow. I don't know if it was a scream, hey. I'd like to think it wasn't a scream. But, you know, I thought maybe it's one of those things where they... Um 
you know, like with Jurassic Park, how you're going to get the sound of a dinosaur and they had to get all these different animals and recorded them and mixed them and did all these weird sounds. I thought maybe it was like that to kind of put a bit more... Maybe I'm just refusing to believe that I want yeah. to think about an animal. <laughs> I think you're in denial a little bit. I, I, I listened to it quite a few times just before, and it's definitely an animal scream that's heard in that, uh, in that thing. Thanks for bringing that to uh, light, Chris. Yeah, yeah th- thanks, Chris. Yeah. Jeez. Everyone no, go back gen- and watch genuinely. it. Go back and watch it again right. and again. So the very last, the last what about when yep. that I've got here from, uh, from Chris is when Phil's sitting in the bar and he's having that moment with those two drunk guys, two local guys. And he's asking, what, what if there was uh, no tomorrow? And that, that whole scene. And in that moment, in that, in that scene, one of the guys holds up his beer and it's, and it's half full of liquid and, mm-hmm. and half not. The liquid is and beer. This is the liquid is beer. <laughs> and, uh, and Chris here says, and this is verbatim from, from the email. Uh, uh, the, the, the man says, you know, some people would look at this glass and say that it's half full and some would say that it's half empty. I think that you're a glass full kind of guy. Uh, and he really likes how that mirrors the end of the film. Now, I, th- I can see the look on your face. Does he say I had that? The same, I had the I same reaction says- when I read it. So now, Chris, it is not my intention here in any way, shape or form to, to break this moment for you. But that that character actually does say that glass is half. Uh, I, think, I think you're a glass half empty kind of guy, which Phil absolutely is. Now, the fact, Chris, that you think that he says glass Chris. half full, I think, you're, I think you're a glass half full kind of guy. Uh, and I, I respect that. Uh, and I try to be myself and, uh, and don't let anyone take that away from me. So uh, you keep being a glass half full guy, Chris. And, uh, and thank you for the email. I do appreciate it. Yeah. Maybe it's not a curse. It's just how you look at it. See what I did yeah. there? I said that earlier as well. I do like Bring it back. I love those two guys as well. I love the whole driving around and the comedic um, value that they bring is great. Yeah. They I, play drunk very well. Oh, they play so good and he's like, if we wanted to hit a letterbox, I would have let Bill drive. I don't know. I like that. And they end up ordering burgers when they get pulled over by the cops. Yeah. <laughs> flapjacks. <laughs> you want anything? Flapjacks. Is it too early for <laughs> flapjacks? Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Okay, I've got I've got a couple of what about wins. Um, okay. Now, I... I am a big fan of The Office, both of The Office shows, the US and the UK. Big, big, big fan. And the Pennsylvania polka that gets played. I'm not going to sing. I won't sing it except for this bit. I think it's the second line in the song where it says, they say, it started in Scranton. It's now number one. So... That there, that that uh, the city of Scranton is the city that the U.S. Office series is based in. Uh, uh, ah, that, that's cool. You know, it's it's just a nice little tidbit that people may have or may have not picked up on. I only picked up on it the, when I watched it recently, the other night, because I think the last time I watched it was before. I started watching or even before The the Office office came out. Yeah, wow. So that was pretty cool. Um, I also like, um, there's there's something, oh, oh, what about when the the morning that Phil wakes up where as a viewer you expect Rita to be there and she's not there. It's the night that Rita spends with him and they're flicking cards into the hat. It's the night where he yeah. says the only God can create a tree. 
And I really thought yeah. this, this was it. And they did really well with making everyone think this was going to be it. And he leans over and she's yeah. not there. That was a that was a bit of a heartbreaking what about win for me. I'm like, oh. Does that start? No. Does that start the last day? I think it does. I think yeah. it does. I think that's when that's his real turning point. He has he has a big uh, paradigm shift and realizing this is not about me. Um, and then my, I have a what about when this is personal to me, and I'm going to try and say this as succinctly as I can, but the very last scene of the film, when Phil looks open, looks out the, the window and, and he sees it's good, and they, they come down to the front and he says his piece, like, let's move here, you know, <laughs> well, let's, let's rent first and then we'll buy a place. The song yep. that's playing in the background there is a song that is called almost like being in love and this was written in 1947 uh the version we hear is sung by nat king cole and you know it's nice, nice because it's uh it starts with what a day this has been what a rare mood i'm in why it's almost like being in love the smile on my face for the whole human race why it's almost like being in love so it's kind of cool but the reason that's a what about when for me is because that song was written for a musical called brigadoon and if anyone knows what I'm talking about, then you may immediately go, oh my goodness, there's some sort of weird thing going on here. If you don't know what it is, it's an old film. It was in 1954. Gene Kelly played the lead role. Um, incredible actor. And the, the movie is about two, American, uh, two Americans from New York that want to go and, and get some time away from the hustle and bustle. So they go on a hunting trip to Scotland. I've no idea what they're going to be hunting in Scotland. Anyway, they go maybe quail or something. They go on this trip and they stumble across a little village in the highlands. And the townspeople there uh, in their, their nice Scottish ways and our two main characters in, Brigad in the Brigadoon film fall in love with characters inside of this little village. Now the thing is that there's a big secret. I don't want to give it away. I'm giving it away. This village only appears for one day. Spoilers for Brigadoon. Spoilers for Brigadoon. I'm very sorry, everyone, if you've really got this on your list. I don't know if it'll appear on the movie calendar, but <laughs> it appears, this town appears only for one day every hundred years. So it's almost like the reverse. It's not one day cycling, but it's definitely a play with time that I don't know if the... if the guys who wrote this film or, or directed, you know, if Harold Ramis thought, you know, what wouldn't it be funny and would just uh, put this in here? I don't know. I saw some sort of connection. I saw how weird this was. Maybe a little bit of irony. I don't know that oh, this ended nice the little, film. Nice little added layer that, that the song that, that yeah. bookends the film. Maybe it's uh, intentional. In Maybe it's unintentional. You may wonder why does Terrence know this weird tidbit of knowledge? Well, I'd like to say that's just me and I know a hell of a lot of stuff, but here's the answer. When I was in grade six, we did the end of year school play and I pl and the play was Brigadoon and I played the Gene Kelly main <laughs> character and it was my role that sang that song in grade six. I was a 12 year old was, sprightly lad. It was reviewed so, so well. My mother loved it. <laughs> uh, that's cool. I didn't know you were a theatre kid. That's really fun. Oh, yes, I was. I was a theatre kid. That's it. Uh, but it was uh, that was nice. And, uh, you know, it's a beautiful song. And go look at Brigadoon. Check out the trailer on IMDb. It is incredible. <laughs> and, yeah, that's all I'll say. You just look at it and think, oh, man, is this how trailers were made back then? It's 1954. Yeah, yeah. it's an eye-opener. But it's a kind of a cute film. It's nice. Cute films are great. Oh, fun. that's fun. 
yeah. Anyway, that's me. I think we should get Sweet. to the point of why we're here. Yeah. So uh, that's it for What About When? Uh-huh. Now it's time for the moment we've all been waiting for, the movie calendar. Da, 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 da. So now, I don't know if much fanfare is required for this one because we kind of know what date this this one's going to go on. No, mm-hmm. no prizes for anyone playing at home who is putting on bets on certain dates. They only mention so it Groundhog Day four times is in the film. officially going... Groundhog Day is officially Sorry. going on the movie calendar uh, on February 2nd. Uh, and the reason why it's coming on that day is that day is Groundhog Day. So it just seemed like a, it was a no-brainer. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to appear on that day on the calendar every single year so that on February 2nd, no matter where you are in the world, if you wake up uh, and don't know what to watch, you've got Groundhog Day to mm-hmm. look forward to. The classic comedy from 1993 directed by Howard Rambis and starring Annie McDowell and Bill Murray. Make sure you have the same breakfast every morning that it is February On that 2nd. day. Wear the same clothes, <laughs> do the same things. <laughs> wow. Yes, there are consequences. There will be consequences, so don't be silly. Yeah, every time- We'll know. We'll know. <laughs> Every time you've said Groundhog Day, I've wanted to chime in in chorus so we could say it together like the radio. Oh, that's what you were trying to do. We're not I didn't know what you were trying to do. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. No, it's okay. All right. So February 2nd, it is in on the movie calendar. It's our third third film on the calendar, uh, which is really cool. So we're going to be adding a fourth film next week. Yes. Uh, So next week's film that we're going to be talking about, get the kiddies around uh, just like this one and Pixar's Inside Out last week. Uh, for uh, the amazing modern action flick, John Wick. Yes. I am so excited to talk about this film. Uh, Not going to give too much away just now, but yeah, we're going to be talking about John Wick. So um, give it a watch wherever you are in the world. Check out your streaming services. I know that here in in Australia, there's a couple that's available to be watched on. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, it's available to rent or buy. Uh, If you buy it, then you've got it forever. Uh, which is good because we're going to try and find a date for it on the calendar that you can watch it every single year. John Wick. So should I watch this with the kids? No, no. Okay. Do not, do not watch this with the kids. I was the sequel. Was... Sequels for the kids. All right. Gotcha. Yeah, sequels are fine. Watch the sequels. Loud and clear. They're, more, they're much more kid friendly. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. All right, John Wick next week. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Cool. So thank you very much. Uh, make sure you get in your. Uh, Hashtag what about whens for yes. John Wick as well. Um, there's a few that spring to mind already. Uh, and if you have an idea of a date for John Wick to appear on the movie calendar, please let us know with a story uh, so we can add the film onto the movie calendar on that day just for you. Awesome. Anything else from you, Terrence? No, no. Again, I say this every time. There's probably so much that I should have spoken about with Groundhog Day. But, um, you know, I think just go watch it just go watch it as many times as you can I'm going to keep watching this one I love it I love talking about it yeah nah I'm good I'm good cool let's say goodbye well thank you so much guys and we will see you next week for John Wick thanks everyone see ya bye (laughs)